Okay, if you have your Bibles, and we hope that you do, uh, if you would turn or click to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to continue our sermon series in the book of Timothy's, First and 2 Timothy, called Faith Not Fear. We believe everyone should be living by faith, because that's God's desire in your life. And as Pastor Jared said, 2 Timothy chapter 3. As you turn there, I want to tell a story. In the mid-90s, a new book series riveted Western culture called the Left Behind series. Uh, these books were a tremendous financial success. Uh, these books ended up on many, many bestseller lists. And if, if you love those books or if you hate them, I'm not going to talk about their theology. I'm just wanting to recognize that they are what they are in the last 20 years, we've had over 250 movies made about apocalyptic information. So what does all this tell me? That we are riveted with the question and the thoughts of end times. What does that look like? Will we be here? Will we not be here? What day is that? What might the moral equivalency be? So if you've ever asked any of those questions, fear not, you are in luck. Today, I will answer one question, and you can ask the rest later. We're going to look at what does the latter days, what do those last days reveal to us? And whether you know it or not, the world has a riveted fascination with the end times. People who say there is no God will even ask the question, well, when is Jesus coming back? We are quite concerned with these last Moments, And I pray that Second Timothy would answer those. Because we find our truth not in books written in the mid-90s. Although some of you feel like the mid-90s is God's gift to humanity. Greater truth is found from a bestseller written thousands of years ago. The Word of God. The most read Bible. Most read book in the world. Why is it most read? Because it is living and it is active. And it will penetrate and it will change your life. So let's read that word today. 2 Timothy, beginning in chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, the Apostle Paul says, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, Ungrateful and unholy. It gets worse. Unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good. Traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Church, here's God's word to you. Avoid these people. Avoid these people. Let's pray. Father, we know that your word is living. It is active. And Lord, we desire right now that we would not live our life according to any novel. We would not live our life according to any movie that we have watched. Anything we've read on online. But Lord, we want to live our life according to what is true and according to what is right. 
Lord, we know that no one is good except you. And we know that your word is good. So, Father, would you do a work in us right now through your word? Help us live by faith and not live by fear. And, Lord, would you change us right now because we have heard through your spirit, by your word, your eternal and unfailing truth. Father, blessed and bless the reading of your word in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of you are thinking, wow, what an encouraging message today. If I'm honest, it's, it's not. But there is hope, and we'll, we'll conclude with that hope. So the word of God very clearly tells us about the latter days, right? Verse 1, but know this. So Paul is telling us that, listen, it is coming. That these, these days, they will be hard and they will come in the latter days. Now, for a moment, as, you, as we read the word of God, as some of you are into the end times, you're thinking, wow, I've been waiting for this sermon for 20 years. Give me the sign, pastor. You ready? What does Paul give us here? What does the word of God give us? What cosmic sign should we be looking for? Because it, if you read what I read, we're not given one, are we? The word of God says they will come and expect that, know that, be certain of that, and look for the moral implications of these latter days. And so this is future chance. He says they will come. It's not that they will come tomorrow. It's more, it's a certainty. You can cash that check. Is what Paul is saying. They are here. The, the last days will come and they will come quickly and they will be here. Now, this is what the Word of God wants you to know. When, he, when the Word of God says, know this, really Paul is saying, don't be naive. Don't act like these days aren't coming. I believe we're going to get to heaven one day and God's going to say, why did you put your head in the sand? I told you they were coming. Did you not believe me? And, and, and when you cried out and said, God, this is difficult. I believe the Lord is going to speak to us and say, did I, I, I mean, what, did you, what did you miss? Like, I told you it would be difficult. I, I told you as, as Greg prayed over our church earlier, I told you there would be fear, but I told you there's a better way. It's faith. There will be the last days. So what do those last days look like and when do they begin? Every time the last days are used in the New Testament, they are now. So these days refer to the days of the Messiah. And so I believe fully that when Jesus came and lived a sinless life and died on the cross, in that moment, the end days began. Right? So I'm not waiting for the end days to begin tomorrow. Because this was written 2,000 years ago to a church in Ephesus. And Paul is telling Timothy, look, look at your life today. They are here. Get to work and hold on to faith. And for me, that brings such a great relief. Because I'm not walking around thinking, Lord, is it today? Is it tomorrow? It's 2020. God, did you see this coming? Because it's getting worse. And God is saying, I told you they would be here. I told you to trust in me. And they're going to get difficult, but, but know that I will be your rescuer. The church, does that make sense? So let's very clearly, so someone's going to say, when do the last days begin? Pastor, you tell me, what is the key? Verse 1, but know this, hard days are here in the last days. So when will they be here? Yes. 
that's what the Spirit is teaching us, right? They are here. So what should we look for? There is no astronomical sign. There is no cosmic signal. Paul says, look at morality. And as you see people drifting away from their creator, be rest assured Jesus is returning. And I don't know about you guys, but we'll get get to that later. But these describe perfectly where we live. And we'll talk about those in a moment. So before we look at that, we must ask ourselves, so Lord, what's going on? And God is saying, you are in the last days until the last day. You are in the end times until the final time. And for those that know Christ Jesus, that day is not going to be a day of terror. It's a day of great hope. It's a day of great hope. And so I don't want you to leave here today thinking, oh, when is God coming back? I'm scared. We should live in a way that says, man, when are you coming back, Lord? You said you're coming to rescue your people and bring us safely home. Lord, is it today? But if it's not today, I'm going to do everything I can to be a light. That way people would see my light and glorify my Father in heaven. Church, there is great hope. There is tremendous hope in this. You are in the last days. The last days are the key in our life to ignite hope in our Savior. Does that make sense? Okay, thank you. Right? So what do those days look like? So we're in them. So what do they look like? I'm glad you asked that. Verse 1. Know this. Don't be naive. They are here and they will be difficult. Uh, that's not a great, that's not an encouraging word, but just know, just know that they will be difficult. Verse 1, he says, hard times are coming. So when last days are here, those days will be what? Those days will be hard. Those days will be difficult. And the reality of the Christ life is those moments can be tremendously difficult. Tremendously difficult. And Jesus is not the antidote to give you the life of comfort that you've always wanted. So if if you've come to church, if you've come to Christ thinking, well, if I just come to Jesus, then I will have no hard times. You're not following the Jesus of the Bible. You're not following the God of Israel and the God of Christianity. Because the God I believe in, the God I know, says, know this, there will be hard times. Church, do we not worship a Savior that lived a sinless life? Yeah. That freed us from our sin? Yes. That that broke our chains? Yes. But this is where we kind of go off the rails. How did Jesus do that? He died on the cross. The most difficult thing that any person could do. And I believe Jesus died on a difficult day. That way he would be our rescuer in difficult days. So do not lose hope. And we see that in these end times, in these hard times, the conquering power of evil is on the increase. So Paul is looking around saying, guys, it's bad. He didn't even have to go to social media to figure that out. This is pre-social media, and he's saying, look at what is going on. And it's interesting, Tertullian, an early church father living around 200 A.D. in northern Africa, looked around at his community, and this is how he described evil. 
Listen to what he said. He's weeping and he's crying to the early church. In 200 AD, he says, innocent babies are now not even allowed to be born. So corrupt are our moral standards. 200 AD. And it's still the same. You want to know how a community is seeking God or not? Look how they treat kids in the most vulnerable. If we turn our backs on those who cannot help themselves, we have turned away from our Creator. These days will be difficult. And it's not a surprise. Because a world in revolt to the Creator is a world that does not have a moral compass. So why do I say that? And why does this give me hope? I don't look at our world and say, my goodness, it's bad. What are we going to do? I look at a world that has completely fallen away from God. And I say, there is an answer. There is a moral compass. There are absolutes. His name is Jesus Christ. And so if you just look at your world and you weep and your heart breaks, know that you are not alone. There is an answer, and his name is Jesus. But I do not want you to leave here thinking there will, be not, there will be no difficult days. I do not want you to leave here thinking, wow, this is awesome. This Jesus thing, rainbows, unicorns, lucky charms. Man, this is, the, this is it. God will know that when times are hard, he is there with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And when I go through difficult times, don't give me the person that's never experienced hardness. Don't give me the person that's never experienced any turmoil. I want the person that's gone through it because they can look at me and say, when I was going through that, God was right there with me. Church, there will be difficult times. And there is hope. There is an answer. And it is faith. Truth number three. God does not want you to look for cosmic signals. He wants you to look for the character. So here's here's our answer, right? Your life matters and your life reveals your character. It's that old saying, don't tell me, don't tell me what you do, just show me what you are. Because in the last days, in these days, in difficult days, people will say many things, but they will look like this. Ready? Verse 2. People will be. It doesn't say they will say. It doesn't say they're going to use filters. People will be lovers of self and money and boastful and prideful and demeaning. And it just falls off the cliff. They're lovers of pleasure and not lovers of God. Church. People in the last days will behave a certain way. Be ready for it. It's going to happen. It's a certainty. So what will that look like? First, they're lovers of self. So we're going to key in on two things. We're going to look at the lovers, and we're going to look at those that have a form of godliness. So very first, the people in the end days will look like this. It looks really good, but inwardly there's decay. They will be lovers of self in verse 2. Why does that sound nice? Because we all want to be loved, don't we? Does anyone, don't raise your hand, raise your hand in your heart. Does anyone here not want to be loved by someone? Okay, if, if you raised your hand invisibly, see me after the service. 
Because I don't believe you. I don't. We, we all want to be loved by someone. And this list begins and ends with words expressing love. But, church, it's a misdirection of love. It sounds good, but it's not good. Does that make sense? Right? It sounds beautiful and it sounds virtuous. And I believe what the Word of God is telling us, that every sin in your life begins with misplaced love or misplaced worship. Every sin that you can think of, every sin that you've committed, either begins by misplaced love or misplaced worship. We live in a world that is the same. We live in a world... Is that me? Let me put it in my front pocket. Can I do that? Okay. I'll try not to talk with my hands. I'm just going to preach the rest of the time like this. <laughs> I'm not going to move. We live in a world that says the greatest virtue in your life is to love. If you just love yourself, if you're, the, the modern terminology, just be true to who you are. And we hear that and we say, well, that's, a be- that's beautiful. And that, that's virtuous. But what the Word of God says, when you are just trying to be true to who you are and you only love you, that is catastrophic for your spirit. Loving of yourself is a condition that neither loves God or loves others. If you only love you, that is the heart of selfishness. It's it's the type of false love that says, you be you. And you know what the Bible calls that? When you are you and you love you, then you are being your own God. And that is idolatry. That is the furthest thing that God wants from you. Don't, Don't buy the lie that if you just love yourself, it will all be figured out. That's not God's hope. You see, self-love is nothing more than the worship of self. So before you jump on any movement that says, well, if you you jump on this movement, then you'll love other people. If you jump on this movement, then you'll love others and you'll love yourself. That's idolatry. That's not love of God. And until you love God fully, you can never love yourself. You can never love the image of God within you. Let me put this in modern terms. What is going on here in the last days? And by the way, you're here. We is. In these last moments, Paul gives us three inordinate loves. Love of self is the first, right? You know what that's called? Narcissism. Called narcissism. He was like, I don't, I'm, not nar- I'm not narcissistic. But you would say, well, you love yourself. Be careful when you import these modern loves into your life. The second is the love of money. You live in the wealthiest country in the history of the world. So prove to me you don't love money. That's called materialism. Something we have to constantly battle in our lives. And the third is that love of pleasure rather than the love of God in verse 4. You know what that's called? Hedonism. And these three roots vie for your attention over and over and over again. And and I believe that every advertisement you will see until you die is appealing to one of these. It's appealing to, well, just be you. 
Narcissism. Well, just, just do this and you'll be rich. Materialism. Well, if you're hungry, you just drink this or you grab this or buy this car or whatever it might be. Pleasure. Hedonism. And slowly but surely, the world has taken the church and brought them back to what is not good. Beware, because your life reveals your character. And how do we fight these temptations? Church, how do you fight the temptation of self-love? It's called humility. How do you fight the temptation of materialism? I just need to gain and gain and gain and gain. Generosity. How do you fight the temptation of hedonism? I just need to live to the fullest. It's called integrity. And these are the things that God wants in our life. These are things that God wants in your life. In these last days which are difficult and which are hard, do not be like everyone else because your life reveals your character. And here's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel, the power of Jesus Christ helps you love God, helps you love others, and then helps you love yourself. You see how quickly we turn that paradigm? The world says love yourself first, love yourself also, and then if you love God, that's, that's pretty good. Like You're righteous. Jesus Christ says what? Love God first. Love others as yourself. Oh, may we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, misplaced love leads to a cascading host of other sins. When, you, when your love is misdirected, it leads to boastfulness and demeaning behavior and disobedience and ungratefulness and being unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, no self-control, brutal, hedonistic, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. When you do not love the right thing, you cascade off the moral cliff. And I look at our world and I say, it is so. It is so. Walk carefully, church, because the way you live demonstrates your character and your desire of God. But there's one more thing I want to emphasize here in these last days, and it's right there in verse 5. So I know I've already meddled enough, but I want to go one step further. Paul says, in this church of Ephesus, that there are some who hold to the form of godliness, right, this word Morphicene refers to the appearance of something, but has no reality. They hold to this appearance or form of godliness, but what? They deny its power. They don't have any. So they, they look good. They sound good. They might even smell good, but they're rotten. And in the last days, this will be prevalent. And I believe... In one simple statement, Paul describes the church. I believe in one simple statement, Paul is addressing the early church and the modern church. There are so many, maybe even here, maybe even listening right now, that you look good. People will say, wow, you're such a good person. Pastor, look at you, all dressed up. Man, 
how godly you must be. But maybe you realize deep in your heart, it's only a form. It's only appearance. Listen to how Gordon Fee describes this person. He says this. He says, they think themselves to be obviously righteous because they were obviously religious. Ever felt that way? Well, Lord, I'm obviously righteous because I'm religious. Look at how I go to church. Look at how much I give. Look at how I'm serving. That's not the Christ life. The Christ life is humble submission to the King of Kings and saying, God, everything I have is yours. I will give you my heart first. And Lord, you will change my life when I give you my heart. May we not be like this. And the answer to to these people is to avoid them. Listen to how harsh the Bible says. When you see that person that's, that's righteous in name only, they deny the power of gospel within them, don't just, um, don't just hide them on Facebook for 30 days. Like, what should we do? O- avoid them. This is serious. Why would, the, why would the word of God be so strong and use strong language against this person? Because they deliberately, with unholy hearts, still go to church. There's still covetousness, but they say their morning prayers. They're blasphemers, but they can recite to you the gospel. They're haters of good, but they still give lip service to God. To hold on to a form of godliness is to deny the power of Christ in your life. And what a folly that is. And I can speak on this with authority because I am someone who grew up in the church. And I'm thankful I grew up in the church. Thankful I had parents that shared the gospel with me. But there was a day where I realized that going to church was only a form of godliness. And it was not until I held on to eternal life by faith that it would become real. And you know what? Like, even reading this, I remember what I used to be, and I never want to go back. I never want to be that person again. Because how empty and hollow is that life. Church, the way you live reveals your character. If we end there, there's not much hope, right? But there is some hope. Let's let's go to chapter 4, verse 18. I I want to read... I want to give you something today. The same author, Paul writing to the same pastor, Timothy, the same church in Ephesus says this. Guys, don't forget. I can almost see him writing in prison, about to die for his faith. Say, listen, don't. I know the last days are here. I know they're difficult. I know it seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. And there's no love of God and there's no power of God. But, you ready for this? Verse 18. The Lord, the Lord will rescue me. From what? From every, every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever, exclamation point. Amen. Now I can just see Paul and Jill saying, guys, it's really bad. 
But as certain as I am that we are in the end days, I am equally as confident that he will be our rescuer. And he will bring me safely home. The word rescue means to save from imminent and severe danger. This is the power of Jesus Christ. Hold on to the Messiah by faith with everything that you have. Many, many years ago, actually 79 AD, Mount Vesuvius erupted and destroyed and killed hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. When the volcano erupted, some people ran underground, and that became their tomb. Some, in an effort to flee, ran to the highest hills, and yet the ash and the smoke suffocated them. Hundreds of years later, when people went back to the area, they found a Roman sentinel that was frozen in the grave by the city gate. And it was interesting because his hands were still grasping his weapon exactly where his captain had told him to stand. You see, for this man, while the earth shook beneath him, while the flood of ashes and cinders overwhelmed him, he stood his post. What a perfect picture of the Christ life. When everything is crumbling, will you stand your post? Will you hold on by faith? When the world is crumbling beneath, when the fires of everything else is going on around you, would you say, God, you have put me here for a reason, and by faith I will hold on. By faith I will trust in you because you are my king of kings you are my rescuer and I believe you will bring me safely home so what do we do with this word so yes we're in the end days so what how do we live this out well first maybe you're here right now and you realize you are not as faithful as you should be Maybe you're the one standing at the post that God has put you in. And when times get difficult, the first thing you want to do is run. God has given you your post for a reason. You say, well, okay, what is my post? Your family. And your job. Your relationship. And your neighborhood. God has put you at that gate to make a difference. That way when the ground crumbles and the world is immorally declining and everyone's running around saying, save us, you stand firm in faith and say, we will be saved. And his name is Jesus Christ. Would you commit again today to say, God, I will hold on and I will be more faithful today than I've ever been in my life. But God, you know I can't do it on my own. Lord, would you make me faithful? Would you pray that bold prayer today? If that's you, you say, I know I'm not where I should be. When we have a time of response, would you say, Lord, I want to be faithful today like I have never been. Because we are in the end days. And he is faithful.
maybe we're here, maybe you're here right now and you've forgotten what Paul said. Maybe you are so caught up in these cycles of advertisement and cycles of news that you really believe the world is falling apart and there's no hope. Would you hear the promises of God one more time? The Lord will rescue. He will. That's not a hope. That's not a maybe. That is a declaration. And he will bring you safely into his kingdom. And so if you if you come in here with fear, and as Greg has already prayed earlier, if that's you, if your life is riddled with anxiety and riddled with fear, would you simply pray a simple prayer? It's a song that you might have heard in the past. Grace has brought me safe this far. And grace will bring me home. Would you pray that prayer this morning? God, I want to believe exactly what you have for me. Lord, I want to believe today that you will safely bring me home. If the Lord returned today, would he find you faithful? If the Lord returned today, would he find you fearful? But lastly, if the Lord returned today, if Jesus came back right now, and he could, church, he could. Would you be ready? John 3.16 says this very simply. says, For God so loved the world. And gave His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him will not perish. Second Timothy would use the language, will be rescued. And have everlasting life. Did you know the Bible says that Jesus died to rescue the whole world? But not everyone will be rescued. It's only those who have put their faith in Jesus. Is that you? If Jesus returned today, would you be ready? And you say, well, no, I'm not. Because I'm looking at my life, and if my life reveals who I am, then who I am is not good. The most loving thing I can tell you right now is you're not good. And you'll never be good. But there is one who died on the cross and lived a perfect life to make you right. Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ today? That way, if Jesus does return, you could look at him and say, Jesus, you're mine. And I'm yours. And I believe that you will be my rescuer. And I believe that you will carry me safely home. You see, the Bible tells us this. Your life cannot be filled with faith and fear at the same time. You know what I say to that truth? Praise God that my heart cannot be filled with faith and fear at the same time. Because there are moments where fear overwhelms. And I run to Jesus and he says, peace, be still. Church, will you be ready? Will you be faithful or will you be fearful? You are in the end days, but have hope because your rescuer will bring you safe home. Father.